What's up, everyone? Welcome back to Actors with Issues. I am your host, Juan Ayala. Today's guest is recording artist and Broadway and television actor, Juwan Crawley, who you may have seen as the show-stopping genie in the Broadway production of Aladdin, as Hudson on the Netflix series, The Unbreakable Kimmy Schmidt, and in the original off-Broadway cast of the critically acclaimed Spamilton. Juwan and I go way back. Over 10 years now. Juwan, my dear, how are you? I'm good. <laughs> I'm very good. We were all just, things considered. <laughs> all things considered. Uh, Duane and I were just catching up for like 15 minutes now, and we were getting into some good stuff. So let's just dive right in. Uh, so, Juwan, um, firstly, uh, with everything that's going on, the pandemic, the craziness of the elections and all that have been going on over the past uh, couple of days, how are you? <laughs> You know, I'm, like I said, all things considered, pretty good. I am addicted. I'm absolutely addicted to the news, which is not good. Like, when Donald Trump's Twitter got deleted, mm. I I was still going on Twitter to check to see if he found, like, a new account. Um, it's just so crazy to watch. It's crazy, but not surprising to kind of watch the um, unraveling of the fallacy of like passive white supremacy mm. and you know really getting to see what we all have been saying forever was the truth um and it's scary however though it in a way it kind of is a really really good sign that there's such a strong pushback because i think it means that we're actually making progress yeah. i don't think that the retaliations would be so um visceral and violent and orchestrated and troublesome if nothing was changing. Um, and this is, you know, really the result of the country starting to not even really move forward, but acknowledge where it's at. Yeah. Um, so it's, you know, it's, it's an up and down thing, but um, listen, we got the house, we got the Senate and we got the presidency, so they can do. <laughs> whatever they want it's oh it's done yeah. and what's crazy is that the pe people are being held accountable for their actions finally as they should be because it's been just like you know decades and like centuries of of injustice and people getting away with like actual murder and now in the past couple years but in 2020 especially a lot of outrage and a lot of people speaking out against injustice and people finally being held accountable for their actions no matter right. how high of a position you hold in this country if you mess up you mess right. up there's you law and order for a reason 100 and people need to be held accountable the truth of the matter is is that frankly everyone else has been being held accountable except for white people mm -hmm. so now we're just finally holding everyone accountable Equal playing field. Finally. Right. For for all of their BS. Mm. I can't curse, right? You can. You okay, can. All this that is a grown bullshit. up yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, all the bullshit. <laughs> like, what the fuck? Yeah. It's time. Remember when the biggest scandal was that the president wore a tan suit? And now oh we literally have to ban the most powerful person in the free world from social media because he literally incited a failed coup he asked for a failed coup and planned it out you know it's crazy seeing everything that happened i'm like that was the 
lamest attempt at a coup I have ever seen. Because if you see like the news reports of like like what happened in Venezuela and what happened in other countries, it's like right. it's like it, it it works. Not that it works, but like they actually accomplished their goal. Yet the I don't know. I don't know. Well, I mean, we're fortunate that like in a way that the majority of these people for better or worse are uneducated. I think that like, it is a lack of education that also enables them to think this way, which is why it's a double-edged sword, but the lack of education, social skills, and having anyone in your circle who's not like you does not put you in the place to properly plan or organize like a, 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 a coup yeah like they just thought but, they could walk in steal the electoral vote containers and then and then what well like, right i mean <laughs> and there are a few smart people i mean you saw people with uh zip tie handcuffs like it really could have if they had just been not even a lot smarter if they had just been five percent smarter just five percent smarter mm-hmm. like nancy pelosi chuck schumer mike pence would be dead. They would literally be dead today yeah. if they had just been 5% smarter. And we need to figure out, you know, and it's not, we have to take them seriously. Yeah. You can't just, you know, because they're, yeah. because they're silly, but like, you know, stupid people act very boldly mm. and no fear and boldness and stupidity is a really dangerous combination mm. for everyone. Um, but we are very fortunate that you know this first attempt which i'm sure won't be the last was kind of so jarring and unsuccessful at the same time so maybe now they'll take them seriously yeah and i hope that however trillions of dollars are part of like the defense budget and all of that are put to use and maybe we get a couple extra security guards at the capitol now um not not them shooting a black woman to death when she accidentally tried to turn around at the front gate a few years ago, but letting white people with guns and Confederate flags walk in the Capitol. And like break windows, steal, like steal the podium, break and into offices. Videos of cops and literally talking to the cops like, when the whole world hated you, we were on your side. You gotta let us through. And the cops just moved to the side. Open the gates, the Girl, little barriers. It. It's, it's crazy. Like, well, where are the police? You can't be two places at once. <laughs> oh, let me oh, move on because my mother is in law enforcement. She gets upset when I say things like this. <laughs> we love your mother, though. She's a, she's a, an angel. She is an angel, but she is still part of the problem. We love her so much. But if you are complicit, you are an issue. Let's take a break. I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> and let's, that's thanks to our sponsor, Anchor. <laughs> no, she tries. She tries to be better, but she still yeah. finds herself, um, you know, it, it, she's obviously, you know, she's not a person who is perpetuating violence on Black bodies. Right. She, is, she is a person who I've heard stories of her actively defending Black bodies, but she's not willing to condemn the system mm. that she works in. So, yeah. you know, she's just still... Uh, and you know she's she's they're they're blue and I love her to death, um, but she knows she knows there's an issue. I just wish that she would come down as hard on it as I do. But 
that generation is just a little more um that's it's a little bit sort of like that's not my business let me stay out of it turning right. a, it's sort of turning a blind eye a little bit and they're they're way more concerned about pointing out the things that they do correctly than they are about the things that they don't do correctly mm. Mm. and i feel like our generation is like well we know what we do correctly we have to address the things that are broken mm-hmm. um so that's where we that's where we fall apart yeah. just a Let's little bit we, know, we always get into back. it right yeah she also, well, Juwan, you have your opinion, Juwan. So just have your opinion, but respect everybody. And I'm like, they don't respect them. No. Right. <laughs> oh my gosh. Alrighty. So um God, how do I even transition out of that? I don't even know. No politics. So one of the questions that I send to all of my guests, just to sort of get a feel for who they are, even though we go way, way back, um, is while our love of acting and performing may be immense, did an actual career ever seem distant or even unachievable? And it's funny because someone else sent me their response today uh, and they said, yes, always, still to this day. But you wrote, no, never. And it's so funny getting a variety of answers for that question because for some people it's like, nope, like the goal is there and I'm going to get there. And for others, for different reasons, there's obstacles coming into their way and it may at times seem unachievable. But for you, how do you stay in that mindset of like, no, this is not unachievable. I'm going to accomplish what I want to accomplish. And it's a I think question. that the, but no, but it's all together. It's all, it's all tied together. I think that for me, success is not so much something that you achieve as much as it is something that you do. So the, the question of whether, you know, the career ever seemed out of reach or inaccessible, well, no, because I do the work that it takes to, to achieve those things. Um, and I mean, just, I've always, I've always known since I was like a little kid, I mean, I just, I've always known. I don't know what else to say. There's never been a plan B. Plan A works. Plan A works. And I live my life that way. And and I feel like when you, well, at least for me, being that I live my life in that way, the universe, God, the world honors that. Hmm. And these opportunities continue just to line up perfectly timed, sometimes not as fast as I want, but on time um on their time (laughs) on their time and often the right time um and they just they don't fall into my lap because i spend and i have spent hours of my life hours of my life by myself doing the work to make sure that when those opportunities came i was beyond prepared for them Mm. um the idea of me not succeeding is not I, I don't know that's never really it's never crossed my mind because like one plus one is twos one, one plus one is two mm. um and not that obviously I am aware of the fact that there are a million people who work very very hard who are very very talented who have the thing who never get seen and I acknowledge that I am cognizant of that but that's not that that hasn't been my experience and I don't think it well I know that it never will be mm. It's such an interesting mindset of like, because like you said, there are a lot of people who, um, you know, will get to 
sort of each little step, like you complete your training, you go to school, you get your BFA, your MFA in, in, in theater or in drama or whatever it is. Um, you make the move to a major market, whether it's LA, New York, Atlanta, wherever it is. And, you know, there's like that sort of checklist of like the things you do and it doesn't always work out for everyone. And, and like you were saying, things were happening on your, not even, not on your time, maybe not as fast as you wanted, like you said. Um, but it's just interesting to hear your perspective of like being on the side where things have worked out and there's still like little things that are still in flux and whatnot because on paper someone would be like my gosh he like skyrocketed like overnight you know he made it to broadway he did it and but then there's still always those little inklings of like i wish this might have been different and this could have been different and this happened sooner this happened later um yeah I don't, i'm not I, sure entirely what i'm trying to say but it's just it's really I wanted, interesting here <laughs> i wanted to go from college to broadway that's what i wanted mm-hmm I'm very happy that it did not work out that way because I was not, when I graduated college, I was not prepared. I wasn't prepared for Broadway. And I had during, you know, like around your senior year, that last month before showcase, everybody's auditioning for summer stocks and like auditioning for all this stuff. And I auditioned for, I can't tell you how many things in Connecticut Playhouse, Irington, like all the things in Connecticut. I had zero EMC points. I had not done anything besides shows at heart, mm. shows at heart and shows at Monomoy in Cape Cod. Um, now I did a lot of those two places, but mm. you know, all my classmates had EMC points from working at Hartford stage on, you know, the pre-Broadway run of this and this and the mm. other thing. And they were all booking these regional gigs or whatever. And I did not get a single one. I didn't get a single one. And then we had showcase. I got signed to an agent. And before it was my last day of college was my first audition with this agency. And it was for this the off-Broadway show. And it seemed like a stretch to me that I wouldn't book a regional gig in Connecticut hmm. at a non-Egg house, but she would send me in for what they already, they hadn't titled it yet, but they were selling it as they know it's gonna be like a hit off-Broadway show. Hmm. And you're and talking about Spamilton, correct? I am talking about okay. Spamilton, okay. yes. And um, and then I I I I I booked it like that was my first audition for the agency. That was my first audition, like actually in the city. Yeah. Um. And I and I got it, and I was happy because like I I booked an off Broadway show, but I was still kind of hurt because I wanted to be already at that point either at Yale getting my MFA Mm -hmm. or on Broadway. But I learned in my, I think I was in Spamilton for like six months before I booked another show. And I learned so much about my instrument, how to take care of myself. I really got the balls to tell people no. Mm. Um, I learned what boundaries I as a performer had and that's also where I learned that 
for me at least, musical theater was like not the thing that that fed my soul. Mm. That's when I when I learned like, oh, I'm, I love this. I'm good at this, but I want something different. Mm. And being able to reassess my goals in a very successful but much smaller setting than Broadway really helped me set up myself so that way when I went into a Broadway show, I had, you know, the backbone to say, no, I'm not willing to do this. I'm not willing to do this. This is the most you're going to get from me here. You know, we need to figure out something else here. Like I had already, I was able to establish myself as an artist in that time off Broadway. Mm -hmm. Um, And had I not had that period, when I got to Broadway, I would have ruined my, would have ruined my voice. Because I was so, when I was out of college, I was so ready to do anything. Mm -hmm. And my voice is high and everyone always wants me, you know, singing (laughs) as high as I can possibly sing. And like I said, in the moment, it's not what I wanted. I wanted to be on Broadway, but hindsight, I'm really, really grateful I had that time to have like a show written around me for me, for, well, for all of us in the show, but to have my part written for me, mm-hmm. around me, um, and to get to really be exposed to a bunch of giants in a way that later on made me just be able to be myself instead of have to play like the game. Mm. You know what I mean? Because mm-hmm. they had already been exposed to me in a way that was very authentic to myself. Um, and that's why I said, you know, though I would have wanted it much faster, obviously. I think that things happened in the correct the correct time, whether I know it or not, for when when I am I'm actually ready. But it was it's never been a question of if, only when. Hmm. For me. Gotcha. Which maybe is arrogant, but I hope it's not. <laughs> well, mean, it doesn't matter if it is or if it isn't, but it's not. I don't I don't think it is. Um Gosh, it's so interesting to hear because, you know, we, I was just talking about this this morning with with a few other people, how in this industry, no matter what, like like we were saying before, there is that little checklist of things like your training, your headshots, your, your reel, your resume, the basic stuff you have to have. But after that, there's no linear path. Like here's how you get an agent. Cause you could have all of the perfect little checklist thing. And they're like, uh, no, thanks. We've got six other clients that are exactly like you. We don't need a seventh or you know or like you don't fit the brand of the agency oh we don't really do theater um so it's it's really i think it's amazing that you had that opportunity of like being able to showcase who you are because the role was written around you and your voice and and what you can bring to the table that people were then like oh this is who this is you know he's not putting on anything like nope this is exactly what he what and who he is so what was it like during that process with with Spamilton, like because you know like they didn't have an uh you said they didn't have a name for the show at that point and and because they were sort of writing the show around all of you um what was that experience like well it was certainly um It was, it was unlike anything I ever expected for, for a theater. So Spamilton was originally supposed to be 16, 18, including previews, shows, non off-Broadway. And 
it just took off so much that after like our third or fourth extension, they bought us into the union. I went from zero EMC points to equity. <laughs> like there was no in between. They bought us into the union. We were literally sold out every night. Every star in the world came to see us. And my part was originally for our woman. And they were like, well, we just need him in the show. So just have a starring one woman and then he can sing whatever we need him to sing for that. And then now we also have like this featured man woman to do all these crazy things that like we couldn't do in the show before. So they wrote a lot of, um, at least with, from what I understand, uh, Gerard Alessandrini got a lot of new ideas uh, for to put in the show just around my character when they when they decided to cast me instead of a woman. Um, so that was really fun. And I mean, honestly, and even in even in college, like I guess my focus was starting to gear away more toward music and less toward Broadway. Mm. Um, but I, so I didn't know who any of these people were. No idea, Christine Petty, Gerard <laughs> Allison Dream. I had no, I no, I literally know it, and I love yeah. them to death now. Like you know, I love yeah. them to death, but I just I didn't know, I didn't know, and I think that that ignorance in a way really helped me navigate the space in a in a way where like I wasn't um, I wasn't worried about playing the game because I had no idea who these people were, mm. um, and it was a lot. I mean, we'd have rehearsals. I mean, as everyone does, it's not anything special, but like the rehearsals into, into previews, into shows. And I had, I literally missed my last year of college. Like I, I, it, it was, I, it was crazy. Like I just went from school to this. Mm-hmm. And um, I did work overnight at Walmart for, for like one night. Um, All right. <laughs> before I officially found out that I booked it. Um, One night, that's so funny. Well, because I was working on an EP and I had to pay for the EP and yeah. I you know, made a agreement with myself that I wouldn't really take any money from my family after a certain point, uh-huh. any significant amounts of money. Um, so I was determined to pay for my EP by myself. I was like, well, I gotta do whatever I gotta do. I have to get my music out. Yeah. Terrible EP, well, it wasn't terrible. It was a really, it was an amazing EP that I really grew and learned from. But now looking back, I would have changed everything except for one song. Um, <laughs> but it was, it was just not jarring. Cause I had, again, worked so hard in college that when this happened, I was like, yeah, okay, whatever. Um, mm. But certainly, confusing you know to wake up one morning and to be like on the cover of the new york times art section and Mm. be sleeping in a twin mattress it was so weird to like be on the cover of the new york times and then sleeping essentially in a closet on a twin mattress on a floor like reading the paper like in a harlem in like this tiny tiny room i just Mm -hmm. Honestly, that's, I think that's when I was over it. I was like, if you can be on the cover of the New York Times for the art section, for a theater situation, and be living in a closet on a twin mattress on the floor, I don't know if that's necessarily what I want for my entire life. Mm-hmm. Um, but that was hyper-specific to Spamilton. Broadway, you're not <laughs> sleeping on a twin mattress anymore. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, we, I, I feel like I've heard... Um from a couple other you know and other other interviews and whatnot that um 
some Broadway actors like, yeah, I was in this off, 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 off Broadway production of Godspell and we got to make an album, but we didn't get, we barely got paid anything. Like I had to still work at the gym during the day to be able to afford my rent. Like they're in this like critically acclaimed tiny show that ended up like, um, it was like Shoshana Bean. I think uh, Anthony Rapp was in the production, you know, a lot of other Broadway names, but they're like, yeah, it's like, yeah, we were doing what we love, but we were also not at the sort of lifestyle we may have wanted uh, right. doing art full time. Uh, and I had, I had agents and managers. So, I mean, Spamilton paid us more. I've learned more than many off-Broadway shows pay. Mm. Um, it still didn't seem like a lot to me. And I think that's a problem. Um, <laughs> but after managers and agents, not to mention taxes. Yeah. I was like, oh, this is, this is this? <laughs> okay. <laughs> okay. It's like yeah. a lot of work for so little, um, so little payoff. But for me, I think the bigger issue was is that it's not that there wasn't actual money being made. It's just that the actors weren't the ones getting it. Mm. Yeah. Which yeah, is yeah. always the case. Like no matter what show you're doing, you know, the actors are the people in the, in the musicians and the crew are the people putting in the most work and often are the ones who are getting paid the least. Um, I don't know if that's necessarily true for the crew. I think the crew actually does get paid depending on your position, quite yeah. a bit of money, but it, it, I, it, it was uh, confusing to me why, you know, we were doing the work and making what I thought at the time was so little, but what I found out later was actually quite generous. Mm. For that particular sort of like, if you did another show off Broadway in a similar theater size, right? it would be less, but probably because you guys took the steps that you, the, because the show took sort of the steps that it did going from its original little venue and run to then getting extended to then have, you know, moving up a little bit. They're like, all right, let's right. go. I mean, now bump. there's seven companies of that show. Really? Like it's, it's, it's insane. London, Chicago. And it seems like anywhere there's Hamilton, there's a Spamilton. <laughs> right behind. It's like, you guys saw the just, original. Now right, come just the right theory. around the corner. <laughs> and I mean, I think that a lot of people who couldn't get tickets to Hamilton were coming to see us. That's funny. It was. And now it's all on Disney Plus, so they can see it whenever. Oh my God, is Spamilton on Disney Plus? No, 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 no. Oh, Hamilton. <laughs> okay. <laughs> How funny it would be like, I didn't get a SAG contract for that one. <laughs> Where's my sack after a um, paycheck? <laughs> I get residuals for Spambleton. That's funny. <laughs> When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Let's go back a little bit, actually, because uh, also in one of the questions that I that I um, that I sent out, um, and you mentioned a little bit earlier that you were gearing yourself a little bit more toward music and not so much acting and like on stage theater performance, um, even though that's like what we grew up doing and and you know 
because that's kind of all that we could do. You know, nobody was trying to give us an EP or an album as right, like teenagers. Right. Um, so we're trying to get our fix wherever we can, you know. Um, but because you were sort of going a little bit more toward music, how did it feel like being on Broadway and still trying to pursue that? Because um, you were the standby in Aladdin for Genie, mm-hmm. correct? Mm-hmm. Got it. Um, so there yeah, what was that like? Sort of. Okay. Two standbys. Casey made a new position for me. It used to be one standby. And then when Casey hired me, he he told them to make a new position for me. So mm. now the show has two. And it's a taxing role. So I'm, I'm sure it's good to have multiple people waiting uh, to go on because that, that role's- killer. It's a lot. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, but what was that like sort of going, um, you know, reaching like the epitome that is like Broadway? and then still wanting to to do even more um, sort of on another little avenue of what entertainment is of sort of going toward music. It was a little devastating. I'm not going to lie. I learned a lot about myself as an artist in general. Um, there was a point where like, I during even during Spamilton, where I was Spamilton, I was waiting for that moment like, oh, yes, I feel it. Like, mm-hmm. I feel I feel that thing like I've accomplished the thing. And um, I mean, thank God I haven't had that feeling because I'm only 26, you know, I was like in Spamton when I was 21. So like, I'm happy now that like I didn't feel that. But during Spamton, I, I was waiting to like feel that moment of like, I'm doing it. Like, mm. not that I've made it, but I'm making it. Mm. And um, it never, it never came. And I wanted with such a burning fire to be on Broadway so bad because I thought that surely I'll get on Broadway and this fire will be quenched and I will feel like, fuck, I did it. I fucking did it. I fucking did it. And, and I, I, I got there and people, people always laughed at me. Cause I always said when I was in college, I'd be on Broadway within a year of graduating. I was like, it won't take me longer than that. And my classmates laughed at me, literally to my face, laughed at me. Um, the my kids in Spamilton, no, the Spamilton kids believed because we were having a particular experience. Uh-huh. Um, and then even when I did Found, a lot of my a lot of the people in that show, which I did after Spamilton pre Aladdin, um, were like, "We have faith in you, but you know, it is a little hard to get on Broadway, but you can do it." You know, we have faith in you. Like they were like cautiously like trying to guard my heart, yeah. Um, but at the same time, encourage me, yeah. Um, and a couple of them were like, you won't have any issue. You'll be, <laughs> you'll, you'll be, be fine. Broadway. You'll be fine. Um, and, and then I did it and I did it before a year. My, my brother debut was May 23rd. I think my brother debut was May 23rd and I got my contract like a month before that, before that. So I had, mm. and I think I graduated, like our graduation was like May 26th. So I had done it right before like the year mark. Mm. And I had my debut and I was 22. Fabulous show. It went really, really well. Um, literally zero glitches, except for at the very end, I did not get my, um, my quick change at the end for the bows, mm. we went a little too slow and I didn't get my collar on, but that was it. <laughs> and um, the curtain came down and everyone's cheering and, you know, 
the people who taught me the show are really emotional and everyone's like really happy. And like, how do you feel? And Juan, I felt nothing. I made my Broadway debut. I had a fabulous show with an amazing cast and crew and company. And I was waiting the entire show for that moment. Like when you see artists, like when it hits that they're, that they're doing the thing that they've always wanted to do. And I thought it would happen after the opening. It didn't happen. I said, surely after friend like me, nothing. Prince Ali, the finale bows. And I was just like, what is going on? And they're like, mm. you did such a good job. How do you feel? And I just remember saying, am I on tomorrow? Because if I'm on tomorrow, I need to go to bed. <laughs> because <laughs> this is a lot of work. And they're like, we don't, we don't know, but how do you feel? I was like, I feel great. But I, it, it, I still didn't have that like, mm, mm. that I was waiting for. And that's, that's really when I knew that like, although I was very good at this and I love it. I, I do love it. I don't want to make it seem like I don't love it. I love acting. I love theater. I love, I love musical theater. I love TV and film acting. But I just knew for me that like, it was not the thing that fed my soul. And so what I wanted to do was, you know, be smart and really utilize my time in this gift of an opportunity that had been literally carved from the dreams of every actor in the world. I was auditioning for another show and the director was like, well, I want you in this show. After I had been told no from, resi- from the resident director and the casting, because I auditioned for the Aladdin National Tour in college like six, seven times. Uh. He said, your voice is too high, you're too young. And then the director is like, forget that. I'm going to put you in the Broadway company. Like, it was literally a dream. Yeah. A dream and a gift. And I said... I'm so grateful for this opportunity. I'm grateful that God has trusted me with this responsibility, this chance. Let me not be dumb. Let me not waste it. Let me utilize my time here and put, you know, I I wasn't going to get a record deal and no one knew who I was, Mm. but I now could afford to do my own art, to do my own music. Um, And fortunately, the show for me, we rehearsed it so much and being a standby, being one of two standbys and being in such a great company, there was always really great communication about when we're gonna do the show, if it needs to go on. So I was able to really invest in my personal art in the way that I really wanted to without ever, without, you know, without costing, it never cost me anything at work. Um, And it was just, and it is just this dream situation where I kind of am doing one thing I love to pay for the other thing that I can't live without. Mm. And so I just use my resources and, you know, my um, new exposure from Aladdin to really kind of push forward my my EP mm. and make it and, you know, go full out and do all the things. And when did you release um, Becoming? I released Becoming, when was it? June 7th, I think, in 2019. Yeah, it was 2019. It was summer of 2019. I should know the exact date. That's it was a very important <laughs> date for me. 
but to be completely honest, I was rather tipsy when it came out because we were celebrating. So I <laughs> that's <forgot>. good. <laughs> it was good. It was really, really You're good. Celebrating. We had a my friends and I had a really, really great motif. I went to the show and everybody was playing my music all over the theater. And the national tour was also like sending me videos of everyone listening to my EP. It was a really yeah. beautiful day. Um and then we went out and we celebrated. <laughs> We celebrated and prayed that nothing would happen tomorrow so we wouldn't have to do the show. <laughs> Please don't need to stand by. Please don't need to stand by. <laughs> oh, right, right, right. Um, gosh, what? So what was it like getting to produce the album? Because this was, Becoming was your second EP? So Becoming was my technically my second EP, but I actually considered my first EP because my first EP I did during college. So although okay. it's out and although it is um, wonderful in its own way, I don't consider it necessarily my debut EP, although at the time I surely did. And maybe this will be what I do my entire career. Maybe my next EP, I'll be like, well, this is actually my debut <laughs> EP. Um, but this one's like, this is my, like, my grown up actual first try. Mm. You know, what was it like putting all that together? Did you write did you write the songs yourself? Did you work with yeah. the, with a team you did? So I was very fortunate. Um during found, I there was this guy who I just remember the first person who didn't talk to me, but he just said to somebody, he was like, Who the fuck is this kid and where the fuck did he get that fucking voice? Like <laughs> that's what he said. And it turns out that he uh is one of the most important people in the industry, uh, Bill Sherman, mm. who, you know, was part of the original Freestyle Love Supreme. They have, I, he can, I can't imagine how many Emmys he has from all the stuff with Sesame Street. And, you mm. know, he, he's a like producer for Hamilton and the producer for In the Heights. And yeah. um, uh, what did they, they do? They, uh, he just did Romeo and Juliet in London. You know, he's mm. like one of the giants. Uh, yeah you know, for the, for the industry, both in regards to music, TV, and film. Mm. Um, and me being ignorant and having no idea who he was. <laughs> uh, but through our, through the time doing found, you know, I did the show, I got his information, he gave me his number after we did a recording for a press, like a radio thing. And, um, and then at the end of the show, you know, the end of found he hit me up he was like um if you want to do ever want to do more than theater let me know mm. and i was like okay sure like he, you've only spoken to me like six seven times and you're very he's very not aloof but very um he's very observant in that way he watches mm. a lot he learns a lot and, and he only speaks when he actually has something to say mm. and um which is something I think a lot of us can learn from, myself included. Um, <laughs> and once I got Aladdin, and like I said, when I realized I finally had the resources to do my music the way I wanted to do it, I reached out to him and he said, well, let's have a meeting. And he texted me to meet him at this gorgeous, I mean, it was like, I was like, what in the fanciness is happening? We met at this gorgeous hotel. It, it had like these walls went all the way up we're in the lobby we had some coffee and tea and you know he was talking to me about what he thinks I could do musically he wanted to set me up with this particular guy 
who is now one of my absolute best friends, uh, Dominic Falacaro, who co-wrote and produced my last EP um, with me. And it, it's just been a, a match made, made in heaven. Um, and Dom and I sat in his studio and you know, we wrote the songs and sometimes he sent me a track here and I'd put the lyrics and the melody on it or sometimes you go there and we would start writing one song, it would turn into a whole different song. And um, and we just really, I think it's really rare that people find uh, such compatible musical partners so, so early. Mm. Um, so I'm really, really grateful uh, for Bill uh, and to Bill for setting me up with Dominic and being, you know, a guiding eye and guiding hand over my music career. Um, and so Dominic and I did the EP together and we got just the best of the best musicians mm. in the city. Um, we came together, we we did this. I think we recorded it in 10, 15 days and it would not have happened without Aladdin. Aladdin gave me the um, exposure, the financial freedom and the, the resource of time to, um, to, to record this EP precisely the way that I wanted to. Hmm. Um, and that's how that, that's how that came about. Jeez. How, like, I love the snowball effect, the, even if, even if it was a slow one, it, how everything sort of came together, sort of like piece by piece, one thing led to another. I love that. And that's, it's the, so, it's so, so great to hear. The entirety of my career, it's, I really truly feel like I'm not, it's, I, I don't know. I mean, I'm just, I'm doing the work. I'm doing my part. I show up every day. I do my, I do my stuff, but it feels like the, the pattern of my career is divinely placed. And I know it's a little dangerous to be like, oh my God, God's doing this. Cause it's not, it's not, it's not, it's not, you know, like, oh God, like, it, you know, oh yeah, now this is next. But I do think that God in the universe honors when you do your work, when you're clear about what you want to do and you show up for it every day, mm. taking care to make sure that you get to those steps. Like the only reason I got even got seen for found was because a producer from found saw Spamilton when everybody mm. in the world was seeing Spamilton. Found was my first audition for Telsey. No mm. one in Telsey had ever seen me ever before. I walked in, I sang the song. They asked me to leave the room, which I was like, what? And you know, that producer is now my one of my managers. Mm. And she told me, she said, we asked you to leave the room because when you left the room, all of us were like, who the fuck is this Where fucking did kid? Come from? <laughs> right. And I like, love that well, everyone's not- reactions to hearing your voice. They're like, who the hell is this? Where did he come from? I'm so used to it because like I've had it my whole life. I don't, I don't know. I'm just like, ah. But and then they agreed, similar to Spamilton, they changed the part so that mm. I could play it. And then in Found, there are people connected to Casey uh, Hushin and Casey Nicola, who I used to call Casey Nicholas, because um, I had no idea who any of these people were. And they, I guess, snuck and saw Found, then called me in for Mean Girls for Damien. Mm. And then I was doing the Damien thing. And then I sang Rainbow High, up a half step. And <laughs> they were like, well, you have to sing for Tina. And I was like, okay and so then i sang for tina and i remember casey and tina like fell out their chairs first time i sang and then 
I had to do the dance call for them. And what in the Broadway world? This this <laughs> dance call, they had been doing this dance call for a year. I walked into this dance call, one. They had a full band, like a live band. For the dance call. For this dance call. And, and I just remember like Casey being like, well, just be yourself because they only taught me part of the dance. Mm. And so I was like, well, myself would be in the middle. So in the middle of the dance, just walked in the middle of the room. Then I started twerking because they said, be yourself. And what else am I supposed to do? I don't know the dance. And then that that one audition with the singing and this, I remember I went to the final callbacks after after the dance thing. And they're like, we don't need to hear you sing. We know you can sing. Um, we want you to read for Damien. We want you to read for the principal. And I was like, okay, great. And then I did it. And Casey was like, listen, here's the deal. You'd be a great Damien. I think you'd be a great Damien. I think you would be a better genie. And I'm like. This is genie. Huh? In Mean Girls? What are you talking about? <laughs> oh, right. And it's because said, I had auditioned for that part so many times yeah. and have been told no. And and I, I didn't know I booked it. But and then and then I forget if it was Jeff or Tina, but they were like, Yeah, we want you to be in involved in something else that we do as well, which was how I got Kimmy Schmidt. And I, I didn't yeah. I didn't know. Um and then I went to like the final audition or the final workshop for Genie stuff with Casey at his beautiful studio that he has mm. um, in Manhattan, this gorgeous, his studio is not the correct word. It's like a floor of a building. It's beautiful <laughs> and he's earned it. Um, did our final workshop and he was like, yeah, so you know, the keys are, these keys are obviously low for you. Like, do you want to change the keys? All this other stuff. I'm like, oh, I don't know, we'll figure it out. Meet. I didn't know that like that was him like telling me I booked it. Like I didn't know. <laughs> I had no idea. And then I don't know if it was that night or the I think it was that night because I went to Spamilton. And that night I got the call and found out that I had gotten because I went back to Spamilton after found. Mm. Um and I found out that night, I think, that I got Aladdin. And then the day after Mean Girls opened, I got a call about Kimmy Schmidt. <laughs> And just like each thing has just yeah. led to the next part, even with Bill. Bill set me up with Dominic. Dominic and I did, it was my first concert. And the the music uh, entertainment lawyer who discovered Britney Spears, Hilary Duff, Justin Timberlake, mm-hmm. Lady Gaga, the list goes on and on, came to my concert. This <laughs> is my first concert in the city. And now, now I'm signed with him. Like... Mm-hmm. It's it's just so um, it's not me. It it just happens too perfectly for me to take credit for it. But <laughs> what I what I can say is that I show up every day and I I do the work. And I guess my faith in myself is just so unwavering, um, just so utterly un unshaken. Mm-hmm. Um, and I guess not that I'm trying to challenge the universe. But it's just, it's always been just very solid. Um, and I'm of the idea that the universe is not playing a game with us. I think that God wants us to win. I think that everything is on our side. God, the universe wants us to do the best that we can. Um, and I think when you are in alignment with that, I hope that, you know, it, it just, these things, it's crazy. They just keep happening in ways that, are too perfect because sometimes they're a little longer than I want, but when it does happen, it's always, always precisely the right time. Mm. It's crazy. It, it's one of those things. It's like, 
you know, we, we have this timeline for ourselves and then God, the universe, whatever higher power there is, or that there may be, we never know. We have no way of knowing. You know, I don't, we don't, you don't, I don't care what you call it, but it's all, it's all, I, I don't know. I, I couldn't, I don't know that I would be able to, to live the way I live if I thought that actually all of it was for nothing. Mm-hmm. Or just, um, or just there. Or just there. Right. Because for me, it's like, there's so much involved i don't think that it exists just because you know just because you know the big bang the creation whatever you want to call it it's you know well right it's always different things different things we're calling it different things but it's whatever it is that is all which i think we are a part of i think we are all each individual manifestations of god Mm. but the greater sense of us is it is for a purpose but back to what we were saying sorry it's okay. This conversation's everywhere. We started with politics. I know, and now we're on religion and philosophy. Great. Um, I forgot what what we're talking about. Like the linear lines that we have for ourselves that we that so seldomly ever follow. We ever, we never follow them. Right. Yeah, yeah. So you know, we 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 will have this particular timeline for ourselves, but then the universe or God or whoever. Uh, is like hold on, slow your roll. I've got, I've got it. We've got it handled. Like, and they rarely ever are the same timeline. Like, uh, we were saying earlier how you know we both grew up doing musical theater, and you know we had these particular goals and and visions and and career aspirations for ourselves. And I also wanted to be like Broadway actor, and and never really you know i haven't been on broadway I haven't really done any new york theater at all not doing that tv you're making that good tv money with the, <laughs> with the pas and the golf carts and the coffee brought to the dressing rooms oh my uh, lord we're not quite at that level yet but we hope to be you know series regular would be nice we loved it they, i don't know tina i guess tina spoiled me they they tina and jeff uh when i did kimmy schmidt i guess made sure that I had a very particular, yeah, that I was taken care of and yeah. maybe a little spoiled. Um, <laughs> and I was like, I'm done. Make and sure then I remember when Tina, right, make sure he, make sure he's good. And Tina came to visit me on set, which was also like a crazy moment in my life. When like mm-hmm. I'll never forget. She was like, Oh, can I take a can I take a picture with you? And I was like, What the fuck? What is <laughs> Tina Fey? <laughs> what what is what is going on? Yeah, of course you can take a picture of me. And she she texted it to uh, Casey, the Casey's. And, um, but I remember when she came to visit me that day, um, she was like, how are you enjoying, you know, being on set? And stuff? I was like, oh my God, I love it. I love it. She's like, you're kind of done with theater, aren't you? I was like. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. Yeah. When, uh, yeah. Especially, you know, when, when the paychecks come your way, you're like, okay, oh, this my is for God. a day of work. This is for a day. You know, uh, it's, it's, isn't it crazy? You could have like the the other day I was on set for a show. Uh, it was like the only thing I booked in 2020 with all with the circumstances. I'm very grateful to have booked anything. In right. 2020. Right. Um, and to also just start the year to start 2021, like a couple days into the year and like, all right, on set again. It's like very blessed. Yes. Um, but, you know, I was I my I had a 645 a.m. call time to be at the stages and then was home by 11 a.m. 
because it was one scene, second scene of the day. Did my couple lines and then, all right, that's a wrap. You know, <laughs> they kept going for the rest of the day, but then it's right. like, it's just, it's crazy how just seeing the stark differences between each little side of the industry is so it's weird. It's, it's just so strange to see how, how different they operate. And it's funny to, to see with like with Tina, how she's done, like, uh, you know, she was a first, you know, she did like sketch comedy, SNL, uh, Mean Girls, the movie, and then, uh, you know, 30 Rock, Kimmy Schmidt, Mean Girls, the musical, and, you know, just all of how, how like people have, can have and, and successfully have their hand in all these little aspects of the industry, whether it's like live shows, television, uh, Broadway, or whatever it is. And now they're making a, a movie of the musical of the movie. <laughs> and I mean, and I think that, I think that you really hit something on the head. And I think that's very important for me. It wasn't really until my friend Alicia kind of sat me down and then after Alicia, my friend, Am- uh, my friend Amsterdam, my friend Adam, when we were in Amsterdam, also sat me down. And, you know, the the essence of what they said was, you know, like, you know, Juan, don't be confused. Like, your voice is your gift. And I, for so much of my life, because of the way my life has worked out, thought that that meant my singing voice was mm-hmm. my gift. And what... Alicia and Adam really in particular taught me uh, was that it's my voice, my perspective, my view, my whatever it is that is only inherently in me that is my gift. And that there are many ways in which that can manifest. And I think that Tina is another person who, who her voice is her gift. Mm. And because she really understands that she can use any tool to kind of, she can have her hands in many, many things to express to express her her gift. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that that's, that has become a much healthier um, way for me to be an artist, to understand that, you know, my gift is not necessarily tied to what I do, like singing and acting and even music there are all just tools mm-hmm. of, of my gift. So if one thing is not working out, that's okay because I have a plethora of other tools to use at any given point in time. Mm. Um, and Tina just is also one of those people who really, I've, I've not by any means mastered a single tool in my toolbox. <laughs> um, but I, I think Tina has, I think that she's mastered quite a few. Mm. And her and Jeff as well, yeah. her husband, Jeff Richmond, who is also a genius. They're both incredible. So to wrap up the show, uh, we do a whole set of uh, rapid fire questions. Um, so let's see how many we can get through in two minutes. No okay. pressure. But There's gotta gonna... be pressure. <laughs> There's always pressure when someone says no pressure. Right. Uh, so we'll start with coffee or tea. Coffee. Drama or comedy drama tv or film film who's your dream co-star uh, uh, i want to play uh, i want to play a, a a scene with viola davis uh who's your childhood celebrity crush Ugh, there's so many um let's go with 
So, so pre, pre-gay Holly Berry, post-gay, <laughs> what's that guy's name from um, the sexy one? He's white. He's thick. He was in like that sexy, sexy Mike, magic mic or something. Channing Tatum? Channing Tatum. Channing Tatum. From Step Up, the dancer? Yes. Okay. Um, what is your most recent binge watch? Bridget Bridgerton. Shonda Rhimes. Um, if you got to be in the revival of any show, what would it be? I'm I'm okay. I'd want to do new stuff. <laughs> okay. Uh, what is your favorite musical of all time? Uh, that's not. That's not. I I can't answer that because I have like seven different ones for different reasons. Okay. <laughs> um, what is the worst side job that you've had? You mentioned one earlier. I guess, yeah, I guess it would have to be working at Walmart overnight for a day. Because after that, I haven't, I've been fortunate. I haven't had one. <laughs> uh, who's someone that you'd want to trade places with for one day? For, just for a singular day? For one day, 24 hours. Um, Jeff Bezos. I would give all the money away. Uh, when were you the most starstruck? When I met Audrey McDonald. Good answer. Okay. Uh, so that was the timer that just went off. So uh, last question, in 10 words or less, what advice would you give to a young performer? Competition is false. Authenticity is marketable. You are more than your work. Beautiful. I think that was 10. Might be 12. One more. It might fine. be 12 or 11. Okay. <laughs> I love that. I was just talking with someone about that today, the whole... Um, competition is false you know all these actors that we think are competitions like in no way would you be called in for the same role but yeah right it's not there's when you understand that like your authentic self is a there's only you then you realize there's never competition only if you are correct for what they need but no competition exactly so Juan, thank you so so much for for oh my god friend anytime (laughs) uh where can people follow you on on social media all my stuff is at Juwan Crawley. I don't really use it, but it's there. <laughs> Please follow me. Apparently that's the thing I need to do better at social media. Um, but yeah, just, it's just at my name. Uh, and you guys can follow us at actors with issues on Instagram and follow me at Juan Ayala official and a big thank you to our sponsor anchor for supporting the show. You can head over to anchor.fm to get started on your very own podcast. 100% free. If you enjoyed today's episode, please subscribe to the podcast and leave a rating and review wherever you're listening. And you can catch new episodes every Friday on all podcasting platforms. I'm Juan Yala, and we'll see you next week.